Well, I'm back in Fiji again for uh, the second time this year. So welcome to the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific podcast. And I'm sitting here with an amazing young leader in Fiji, Pastor Sami Thakau. Have I pronounced it right? You actually have a pronounceable last name, not like most Fijians who have last names that are 57 letters long. Um, tell us a bit about yourself, Sammy. Um, well, uh, as you know, my name is uh, Sam. Um, grown up uh, as a pastor's kid, uh, there are uh, six of us. There are six of us. Um, uh, grew up in a church all my life. I know what it's like to be a pastor's kid in uh, in the city, and also a pastor's kid in the in the rural uh, parts of Fiji. Yeah. Um, I'm part of a local church here in the city, in the city Tabernacle, and uh, so I I serve uh, at our local church as an uh, associate pastor. Yeah, and you uh, ran something amazing, amazing summit this year, the Worship Leaders Summit, where you gathered over 150 worship leaders from something like 50 different churches uh, for three days. Um, and what I loved, and I got to go along just for one day um, to speak. But I, I loved that it just wasn't teaching them how to sing better songs or, you know, play better music. But you were really dealing with the inner issues. What were the, some of the issues you were addressing? Um, yeah, so we addressed um, financial issues. We addressed, um, addressed abuse issues. Because one thing uh, leading up to the summit, and I really believe what the Lord uh, led us into doing, is to really minister to those who have been called to minister to others. And as we all know, um, uh, worship leaders are not, um, they are not um, any different from any other one and they also have needs and they've also been through experiences not only the good like we always sing Sunday in Sunday out uh, but they have experiences from when they were young uh, growing up um, abuses challenges and so the Lord really led us uh, to to um, to provide a platform a safe and honest platform a truthful platform where worship leaders could gather and be served um, because I asked myself the question, and I asked a few of our of our church leaders. Um, worship leaders are expected to come into church uh, or to rehearse, rehearse during the week, uh, and pour out their lives every Sunday. But I asked the question: Who's pouring into our worship leaders? And uh, as they're singing, whenever they're singing, whenever they're playing an instrument, our, or however they are involved in ministry, whether they look after the the media or the sound. Um, where is it extending from? Where is it extending from? And so the Lord uh, led us to, to, to be aware that worship leaders uh, have issues that they, are, that they are still dealing with, that they are still hurt from. Um, and and, 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 and they are giving up their lives to serve. Uh, but that's, uh, but we, 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 from my personal experience also, I've, I've realized that uh, sometimes um, our churches are not intentional uh, with shepherding and serving worship leaders. And so when we gathered, we wanted to, we asked the, we asked the Lord and we tried to also reflect on our own lives. What are some needs that we have that are not being addressed? And so that's how the financial issues came, came in. 
uh, how are we as stewards? You know, are we thriving in our in in our finances? You know, we come and we sing about God is great. You know, God God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. But how are we financially, uh, really, from day to day? And so we wanted to address that issue. And like I said, uh, personal, intimate issues, dark issues, uh, the dirty issues, uh, and 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 we we've become so good at singing about hope singing about the abundant life uh, but there are many worship leaders who are still being partially crippled by certain things that they have not had the opportunity to talk about and so that's one thing we thank the lord for uh, the worship leader summit is that we were able to get different people to address help us address those issues it's so important i mean you and i are both leaders um and it's easy to stand up and tell everyone else what to do, isn't it? But um, actually working on our own heart. And I think we're living in a day and age, especially with the younger generation, they can see through the rubbish uh, if, if leaders aren't really walking with the Lord and addressing issues. Um, but healthy leaders create healthy churches that create healthy nations. So that's where we want. So yes, you had me come in. And I, when you first asked me, I thought this is a bit weird having me speak on abuse and pornography at a worship summit um, but I, and again because it's so non-cultural for Fiji too um, we love to sing our songs but don't tell me something that's not good so um, I took that challenge on board and uh, we I think we had a great session that day and we really challenged I mean my challenge was to really hey this is something that most of us have dealt with in Fiji and so it's time to confess and and open up so what was and I kind of spoke and then I had to leave that afternoon and get back on a plane. But what was the response from the worship leaders to what they heard? Well, as I shared to you earlier, um, it, really, it really opened up the hearts of many worship leaders. Uh, honestly, like I mentioned, even after the session, there was, uh, I would say, Heaviness, but good heaviness, because now every uh, many, many worship leaders had the opportunity to give voice to what they had, uh, to what they were experiencing and what they had earlier experienced in their lives. And so uh, it was so um, refreshing to have an environment where we can be honest. And we, I always share um, in our discipleship forums that... Um, uh, one of the covenants that we keep in our in our discipleship groups is to be honest, and when we talk about honesty, is we want to be real to heal, and and to always acknowledge that there is some aspect of our being, some aspect of ourselves that needs some extent of healing, and so when we can finally find uh, uh, an environment or people really, I believe it's the people that make up the safe environment. Safe people make safe environments and after the session after your session we had women who were set free to come and even just give voice that you know I was abused uh, and and I now see how it has how it has crippled me in my ministry uh, and not allowed me to fully fully show up in who God has created me to be and uh, and for me uh, personally it was the men uh, when, when, uh, when I had different men who were older than I, who were free uh, to come and share um, um, how they were, now they were, they, were, they, they were free enough. They were free enough to, to share that they were, how they suffered abuse, uh, some how they were still going through uh, forgiveness and not holding on 
to bitter experiences and so until today till today and uh, there's been an ongoing shift ever since the summit where and and I haven't shared this with you but uh, there's about to be gatherings uh, in Suva we've had requests uh, for us to have gatherings also at the west just to sit down so people can so worship leaders can continue to share uh, how they were helped uh, during the summit so that's something that's coming up something to look forward to as well that's really exciting and you know a lot of that comes down to your leadership of um, creating a space to be real and as you're real from up front um, that provides the opportunity for other people to come forward and and find that realness as well Uh, you know as leaders how important is it that we um, disrupt silence and shame and deal with these uh, hard issues as we talk about how important, what happens if we don't? I would first say that I really believe it's important for leaders to experience it for themselves. I don't believe that you will genuinely desire good things for others if you don't experience it for yourself. And I, and I believe I've shared with you, um, I've really enjoyed... Um, I grew up in church, like I mentioned earlier. Grown up in church all my life. Uh, and and I've, I've enjoyed my journey. Not a perfect one. But I think I really, I would say, I've really come to life in Christ when I, when I, when I was exposed to intentional discipleship. And what I mean by that is, we all read the word in Fiji. Well, I, to some extent, we all hear the word, we read the word, we go to church. Uh, we can all read the word, but still not follow Christ. I think that's something I've discovered for myself. And um, when, when we follow Christ, I've realized that he is so practical. Jesus is so practical. He is so relational. He has conversations. He has conversations with his own disciples. He has conversations with people that are marginalized, like the Samaritan woman. Um, and he breaks barriers. When you follow Christ, really, I've, I've, that's what I've discovered for myself. When I followed him in the stories, it has disrupted even some things that I learned growing up. And I started to question. When I started to follow Christ, you know, you, we can all read the word. We can all read and know Bible stories. But when you follow him as the person, who did he speak to? Why did he speak to the person? What did he say? What was his response? And then I find that that's when I started to question a lot of things that I grew up with. And, and so coming to what you, what you asked about leaders, I really believe when you experience freedom for yourself, when you are able to allow the Lord to deal with your dark issues, you know, when you are able to be truthful with some things that you entertain growing up, and you are able to bring that into your relationship with Christ and you are set free and you begin to experience how you become a, a um, you begin to, your life is poured out for others. And it's something that is not led by money, by salary. It is not led by, uh, by wanting to be famous. It's because a genuine desire, because you have been set free and you are still in a process of continuously being set free. And it, for me, it has been enhanced by my, me getting married. For me, my, that's my personal journey. When I got married, I was, I was able to, after I got married just from last year, I was able to, to label or put to words some things that were within me that I had not had the opportunity to face and confront. 
And, and for some of us who are called to be married, uh, that's the opportunity. Uh, like we talked about earlier, we all have blind spots as church leaders. We have blind spots. And so for me, my wife has been one who's been able to shine a light on my many blind spots. And because I was already in a journey of discipleship before I got into marriage, I, was, I had some, some extent of humility to listen. And I really believe if young men are, are, are not already involved in some form of discipleship, intentional discipleship, I really don't believe you are ready uh, to be running after another young lady. You're not ready. And, and, and so, sorry. So that's what I want to share. Like leaders really need to be experiencing the truth for themselves before you, before you go out and desire it for others. Yep. And that, I mean, discipleship, it's a bit like surgery. It can be really hard sometimes, especially if people are speaking into your life and showing you your blind spots. Um, but it's just vital, isn't it, for the health of us as leaders. You know, shame, um, we'd say in the Pacific there's a culture of shame. Um, and so leaders, you know, I grew up in a church where my dad was the senior pastor and most Sundays our family issues were preached about <laughs> um, because dad's just an open book and, yes. and that gives everyone else permission but I've noticed it doesn't happen over here because we've as the leader we're meant to have everything together and if we share our issues people might not listen to us or respect us so how do we break through that culture of shame especially again as church leaders because you know if, if we're not free then we're not going to be able to set our people free the immediate thought that comes to my mind that has contributed to me being an open book is my dad. My dad is actually, he was uh, someone we grew up with. He's very open book. And those who know him know that he, to, to some large extent, he can be very open book. And I would say, um, I would say for, for men, if we were to break, uh, if we were to break uh, this uh, culture of shame, this culture of guilt, uh, I really believe men have a very different um, authority. They have an opportunity to to remove this uh, culture of shame. And uh, because we saw it with our dad, he was very open with us. Uh, we knew when he was minister, and we knew when he was uh, at at many times. A lot of people would mistake him for our brother, because how we would go and have dinner, and how he would just laugh with us. And, and, and he was very open about our, whenever we went out, when we came back, he would ask straight up questions. And because we had, I, I really believe that contributed to the way I am. Because he was so open book, I, I learned to be strong in being an open book as well. Uh, but also learned to be wise. Um, and that's how I would say, if we were to repeal this culture of shame, we always talk about boldness in terms of be bold and go out and share the gospel, uh, be bold and testify, be bold in so many things. But I would like to encourage all the men out there to be bold in uh, being honest about what your struggles have been. And if you have never shared your struggles, I mean, it's, it's one thing to, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a, for some it's a step by step. Uh, maybe sharing first with your wife if you're a husband have you have you taken the time to to speak with your wife over your struggles have you spoken about it because i really believe if you're not free of it i don't think you'll be able to free anyone else 
from the same thing. So like that, and, and being able to share it with your church. And I'm a big believer, when you're free from something, you're not afraid to share about it. Because you're free from it. And, and you're not afraid of how other people will use it. I know that's something that contributes to the culture of shame here because we're always worried about how the people who are listening, how they will use it against you. And I really believe when you are strong in the Lord, when you're strong in the Lord and your identity is fully in the Lord, you will not be afraid of how people will use your testimony. Because for you, I think for us, we need to realize as leaders, you need to be sure in yourself that this particular issue is a past for me. Or even if it's an ongoing thing, then you just need to realize your position. This is my position in the Lord. This is something that I'm dealing with. And I'm going to constantly allow myself to deal with this particular issue. And I think that empowers us. And I really believe that is the true power of the gospel. And I don't believe we, are, we have yet to portray ourselves as leaders, the, the true power of the gospel. And I think until our followers really see that the power of the gospel is true for you personally, they will desire it for themselves. Yeah, and you make it sound so easy and so beautiful. Um, and it is. Uh, there is freedom. But again, uh, and I was, I've interviewed Libby Morrison a few episodes ago on her addiction with pornography. So a woman addicted to porn, a pastor's wife still addicted to porn. But she's been set free. If uh, people have listened to that podcast, go back and listen to it. Um, but I was with her last night and she was just sharing some of the backlash she got. Like, what are you doing? You're embarrassing your fathers, your brothers, you know, the village. <laughs> because you're such a communal. Um, so it's one thing to want to speak out yourself. But then you've got, you know, every cousin and their brother um, hounding you. Um, so how do you get over that? So I, I, I'll share my experience. So you you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, who did you mention? Sorry, Libby. You mentioned Libby. So my experience was uh, when uh, and that's the thing. I started off with discipleship, and it's a journey. It's an ongoing journey where the Lord begins to uh, some things that you've uh, sort of um, uh, you've grown. I think. Uh, let me let me let me unpack it this way. Um, because I grew up in church all my life, you can master the doing. You can master the doing while the being, the, the part of you that nobody sees, is in trouble or is struggling. And so one thing I love about uh, the intentional discipleship journey is because gradually, uh, gradually the, the Lord has been able to, the Word, the Word has been able to confront, confront certain things about myself. And I noticed when I started helping others, and even started helping others that I never imagined I'd be helping, the Lord actually used those people to actually help me reflect on myself. So it came to a certain time when the Lord started to uh, uh, help me um, help me pay attention to this particular issue. You, you mentioned pornography. And when the Lord brought it to my attention, I was like, Lord, but... That's just, it's not, it's not an ongoing thing. It's just like, a, you know, like an occasional, you know, I started to give excuses. But the Lord was like, no, after today, I want to, I want to deal with that particular thing. So this is my, and, it, and this is what I mean. And hopefully it'll help with what I've said earlier. So as I continued with my discipleship journey and helping others and counseling others, there was one particular youth gathering that we had at Calvary Temple. And our youth pastor was, uh, my, our youth pastor was preaching about the temple of God. 
a sermon that we've heard over and over again. And as he was preaching, I was actually falling off to sleep. I was sitting, I was sitting at the front, I was falling off to sleep. And he was teaching about the temple of God and you know and and how you need to keep it holy. The Lord wants to use you. And he was preaching. When he was coming towards the end of his sermon, and this is my journey and how it happened for me. The whole the Holy Spirit just gave me such a prompting, like this courage. You need to share about your internal journey. And I woke up. <laughs> I woke up like that that just that prompting woke me up and I was like Lord are you serious and so I looked behind me and and something that made it hard for me is because I saw my younger girl cousins they were sitting in, in the youth gathering that day and I was like Lord are you sure uh, because I've never even shared this I've only shared it to my my few discipling friends who I'm close to and and you know we've been working on it together but not not like this in the messes and so our, our, our youth pastor brings his sermon to an end and he's about to pray and it's almost like I did not feel my hands go up. And my youth pastor saw me and said, uh, is there anything? And I said, yes, can I just share something? And he said, sure. And so I went up and, and so I, I shared my testimony and I said, you know, um, our youth pastor is sharing uh, to us about keeping our temples holy. And I want to share my experience. My experience is we can all grow up and keep and maintain a front we have mastered maintaining a front but God loves us so much he loves us so much and in our journey uh, as we allow him to be part of our journey this is going to be a certain part of our journey where he says I am going to deal I want to help you with this particular situation and for me I've had that I've had that a few weeks ago but today I want to share with you that this is the the issue that I've had and although, although, you know, uh, although going to pornography was an occasional thing, it is not a good thing. It is not a good thing. And, and we can't uh, make excuses for ourselves. That just because, you know, for some of us it's a habit, like a very difficult habit. And I know it is a difficult habit because I really believe it has to do with the mind. It has to do with the mind, but there are sometimes, and, and I and I share with them. For me, uh, being uh, my my makeup, my makeup is I'm a very um, photographic person. So even though I'm not watching pornography, my memory is so good. It is so good that it can recall. And so I I'm at the journey where I'm I'm in the journey where I'm trying to tackle down and arrest those thoughts. And, and so and so I shared the, my journey with the young people and and it was a shocker because it was a shock and if I can share honestly until that time I've always been looked upon as someone who never does anything wrong someone who's never gone clubbing uh, they could never associate me with something like this and when I shared what I shared um, when, when, when our youth pastor called, uh, made the altar call, we had young men and, we, and young women come up. And that was the day I realized that pornography was not only a guy issue, it was also a woman issue. And I still remember today a young woman who is uh, a young lady who is also a, a pastor now. She came and she thanked me later and she said, I went and counseled the young women that had all come up and they came up because of that issue. And so that's what I mean, you know, with everything that I've shared earlier, 
unless we are experiencing the freedom of the Lord in our everyday journey, and, and I encourage, I encourage pastors, like you know, uh, and I know we've heard this, you know, for some of us we've heard this a lot. Don't, don't preach to, t I mean, don't study to preach, but study to learn for yourself. And I would, uh, this is a self-discipline. I would encourage every church leader, every youth leader, every pastor. Uh, get into the habit where whenever we are going into the scriptures, ask yourself practical questions. Uh, how, am I, how am I putting this to practice in my own life? And I believe when we are set free personally, gradually, you are able to be a, a, a practical help to everyone that the Lord is calling you to pastor. So I hope that helps. No, look, uh, I think you just, we were talking before, uh, you've got to take some risks and be bold yes. and do it afraid. Um, and as we do as leaders, we're setting a lot of other people free, aren't we? Uh, we're breaking f shame. And I think, yeah, um, having to break from our, the expectations of our family, you just got to break out of it. <laughs> if I could just share one more thing. Um, when, when I did that that particular Saturday, I remember just the following Saturday, the following, I'm recalling now, the following Saturday, we had one of our, my female cousins come up and she was asked to come and testify, but she didn't come up and testify. She came up and actually shared what she had. It was sort of an, a, an abuse that she experienced in the week. And I noticed that's when I began to learn for myself. My freedom is not only for myself, my freedom is really for others. And sometimes, you know, I, I remember when I was afraid to, you know, when I was afraid and fearful to share, the very people whom I was afraid to portray myself to in a, in a different light, they were the ones who were being set free. And so it gave me a new boldness. It gave me a new boldness. It gave me new courage, uh, a, a renewed a renewed license in life to go get fully, get fully into being free myself. Because whenever I'm free, I am able to free others. And so that's that's just a little I wanted to share. Yep, that's that's so ironic. The people we're scared of uh, are struggling too. So look, our time's up. Thank you, Pastor Sam. Thank you for what you're doing to help bring freedom across this nation uh, to particularly younger leaders. Uh, it's exciting days of what God is doing and, and you're, it's just great to be a part of it. So thank you for your time today. Easily I see your suffering I see the pain Beneath that bull of smile Come out from hiding the sun is rising Let the islands hear reason let